Ah, Nadir, that oil price, $59.45. Yeah, Sakina, look, I mean, we're seeing a lot of strength in the oil price. Um, you know, I think it's on the back of, you know, a lot of stockpiles being, dec- a lot of stockpiles declining, particularly in the U.S. Um, you know, and we're starting to see uh, the, the, the reaction to the market in terms of, well, the supply is starting to fall off a cliff. Demand is remaining relatively robust, particularly out of China, as we see the economic numbers there holding up just fine. And as we're seeing, uh, you know, demand numbers out of the U.S. continuously improving with, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the weather-related conditions we've seen there recently, expecting to put a strong dampener on demand without that uh, having really come through or no evidence of that having come through. Um, you know, we're seeing the oil price starting to react a little bit and, uh, you know, surge to, uh, you know, just under $60 a barrel. Now, uh, Sakina, while, you know, that obviously isn't good news for consumers, um, you know, they shouldn't despair too much because, uh, you know, this has happened with the oil price before. We've seen it trade, um, you know, although volatile, it has really been in a range somewhere between around 45 and sort of $60 or $65 a barrel. So, you know, there, there, there does seem to be that cap on the oil price because as soon as it sort of gets to in and around that $65 a barrel, we see a lot of supply that previously was unprofitable come back on stream um, and we see that oil price self-correct quite quickly. So, um, you know, we are expecting a petrol price increase again this month. We saw the Reserve Bank statement on Thursday uh, mentioning that they're concerned about upside pressure to inflation, um, you know, given how, uh, you know, just uh, not, not maybe sneakily, but just how, um, you know, these oil price increases and petrol price increases have really snuck up on South Africans ever since about April. Uh, we've seen a couple of uh, increases in the petrol price, uh, which uh, the Reserve Bank gives Given, the, the, given the, the Reserve Bank governor's hawkish stance, we know that they were evenly poised on uh, what to do with interest rates, and uh, Lesechek and Yahoo ultimately cast a deciding vote, which means that it, sta- it stayed on hold. They, he is very hawkish in nature and concerned about what the impact of this higher oil price will be on inflation. And, uh, you know, with the oil price hovering at around $60 a barrel, he seems to be vindicated in that view, Sakina. But, uh, you know, our inflation numbers have been coming in sub-5 for the last couple of months. So we hope that it will remain within the target band. Uh, but ultimately, Sakina, we think that uh, uh, this will filter through into higher fuel prices for some time to come. Um, but, you know, we don't expect it to be too drastic because uh, we do think that there is an upside cap to the oil price at around about $65 a barrel. Mm. And then um, the impact of those German elections on global financial markets, uh, Nadir? Yeah, look, I mean, it seems to be relatively muted so far. Um, you know, I think the market was pricing in a victory from Angela Merkel's uh, centrist party. Uh, but I think the one surprising factor, Sakina, is that the far right-wing AFD party did gain a lot of support, which the mm. market didn't exactly anticipate. So they won around about, uh, you know, 20% of the votes. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in coalition with a, with a um, center-left uh, party, social Democratic Party um, in Germany, uh, Angela Merkel managed to hang on to uh, just about a 50% majority. Uh, but, you know, if you look at it, that's the lowest share of the vote that those two parties have taken since 1949, which was a very long time ago. So, you know, very much in line with Brexit last year and Donald Trump being elected within the U.S., um, you know, we're seeing a rise of the right in Germany in response to their stance on immigration and particularly Angela Merkel's stance on immigration. 
situation, which we are, you know, she uh, outright admitted to in a press conference yesterday that she has div- divided Germany uh, with the stance on, on uh, immigration without actually calling it a mistake. So, Sakina, after a French election and a Dutch election, which went the way the market wanted it to earlier in the year, um, you know, we were very much anticipating an Angela Merkel victory, which did happen. She will serve a fourth term. But there is that uncomfortable factor of that right-wing party taking, um, you know, taking away quite a big share of the vote. And that's obviously a very market-unfriendly, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of position with a very anti-Euro stance. So, uh, you know, but the market reaction was quite muted. We saw very slight weakness in the Euro. We saw the DAX ending pretty much flat for the day. Um, you know, so I don't think anything too drastic yet, Sakina, but it does complicate things within the German policy uh, profoundly. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to wait and see what, uh, you know, they're going to go to with, in terms of negotiating the Brexit deal, in terms of, uh, you know, what stance are they going to take on the European periphery nations. So there's a lot of things up in the air for the moment, but uh, for the timing, the market uh, relieved that Angela Merkel managed to come in for a fourth term. Interesting indeed. And then, um, you know, for those uh, thinking of taking their assets offshore, you know, what should they be considering at this point, Nadir? Yeah, you know, Sakina, I think the issue here is that many people consider taking assets offshore as a very emotional decision. It's, it, you know, it's highly emotive. It's, a, it's almost like betting against South Africa. And, uh, you know, there's, almost, mm-hmm. there's a plethora of reasons that people find to take assets offshore, you know, whether it be uh, questioning the independence of the Reserve Bank, whether it be, uh, you know, becoming emotional about South Africa being downgraded to junk status, whether it be about, uh, you know, the, witnessing what's happening at our ailing state-owned entity and what does that mean for uh, the future of economic growth? Um, you know, people get highly emotive about the issue and in reaction, you know, attempt to take their assets offshore, uh, almost banking on the RAND, weakening consistently in order to provide them with returns. Now, uh, you know, we're not saying that taking assets offshore is a bad thing. It is ultimately very good to have diversification geographically and by currency in your portfolio. But, you know, you need to be very cognizant of what it is that you're buying offshore. You need to understand the assets you're buying. You need to understand what's going to drive, uh, you know, just like you invest in a share in the JSC, you need to understand what's going to drive earnings growth for this company moving forward, what's going to drive growth prospects, what's going to drive uh, prospects to pay out dividends, what's going to drive, um, you know, the, what's this company's strategy moving forward? Are they going to gain market share or lose market share? Um, you know, the equity market you're investing in, what price are you paying relative to the earnings that you're getting for the various equity markets or various stocks? So, Sakina, just like you would analyze a local company, there needs to be a very, very real case uh, for buying an investment offshore just on a standalone basis in dollar terms um, in order to, to, you know, to, to make a real case for taking assets offshore. It shouldn't be an emotive decision of saying, well, I just need to get out of South Africa at any cost and bank on RAND weakness in order to get returns from offshore. You know, that strategy will work out quite badly because, um, you know, over the shorter term, while the currency fluctuations are obviously very, very, uh, you know, very, very vast, um, if you look at it over the long term, what really drives the differences in currencies between countries is the inflation differential. So if you look at data all the way back to 1990, the RAND is depreciated by about 5.7% per annum against the U.S. dollar, and the inflation differential has been between 5 and 5.5% a year. So really, it's just catering for the inflation differential between the two countries over the long 
long term. Um, and, you know, if you're just going to consistently bank on RAND weakness, like sort of 20% a year, that's really not a strategy. Um, you know, you need to have an underlying case for buying some of those businesses and getting earnings growth. Oh, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you so much, uh, Nadir Token, uh, Investment Analyst at 274 Investment Managers.